0: Welcome to Infinity War and Beyond, the podcast where we subject ourselves to every Marvel Cinematic Universe film, one Marvel Studio film a week, until we reach the blatant grab for cash that is Avengers Infinity War. I am Christoph, I'm going to be the guest, uh, the guest, I'm going to be the host this week, God. Um, As we look at Iron Man 3, as always, joining me is my co-host, Billy. Billy, what's going on? I'm not much, guest. Thanks. What? That's oddly specific shade you're like uh,
1: you like heather locklear from melrose place no i don't i don't understand the reference um on melrose place she was she was a special guest but like she was on there as a main cast but every every trailer sorry every credit she was credited as
0: the special guest for the entire show (laughs) so she's like sort of like the awkward Third wheel? Well, not. I don't know. She was the many... owner
1: of the, the, the building where everyone was living at Morrow's place.
0: Was she a big name? Was that why she was a special guest? Yes. Because they thought she could leave at any time, to do know. a better offer. I can't offer?
1: remember why, but yeah, she was always the special guest.
0: So I thought okay. I'd share with you a quick snippet from my life when I when I was uh watching this film. Yes. Um, I have a weird problem, which is my life. Lab... This this is the. This is the oh. intervention this past. <laughs> it's not the weird problem I was telling you about before we started recording. Um, this is a problem that I feel like is specific to me, which is my laptop was infested with ants. What? Yes. Yeah, so I live in an old house. The house is like uh, over a hundred years old, and for some reason they decided. So it suits you living there. Just spiritually, we're very similar. Yes. Yes. You're, um, you're so very old. I'm an old grumpy soul. Yes. But for some reason, they decided to rent it out to to three young people. Uh, again, physically young. I mean, mentally. I'm as old as they come. But anyway, so... And it's got wooden floorboards. So ants get in really easily. And they seem to like hobbing in a laptop because there's lots of places they can run and it's warm when it's turned on. So anyway, as I was watching this film, I would say every five to ten minutes of the initial first half hour, I had to stop it to, like, just kill, like, 20 ants as they just ran out of this laptop. Because that's how you get ants. <laughs> Apparently, that is how you get ants. So, I feel so like that was a...
1: you didn't drop any donuts on the floor or anything like that?
0: No. See, I have, not to brag, I have two laptops. And the laptop I was watching it on, I Whoa. don't... Whoa. Yeah. Two laptops.
1: Yeah. Hold yeah. back.
0: Yeah, look, I'm doing all right. Um, And this lap- specific laptop I was using, Which I one? never... Which I... one is yours? The one I was watching this film on is called The Bitch Laptop because, uh, like, I got it from work for free. Again, not a brag, uh, but so ba- we basically, like, we never turn it off properly. We treat it like shit because we don't really care about it. Um, anyway, I don't, but surprisingly, I don't usually eat with this laptop, so it doesn't have any food, like, stuck. But you know how food crumbs off and gets stuck beneath the keys? So you're saying this is your porn laptop? The one I watched this film on. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So they're attracted to your. Are you saying that my my semen is some sort of weird dick honey that ants love? Yes. Okay, that's a. That's where. <laughs> that's where an you... interesting
1: hypothesis. That's where you went. That that's not where you were going with this story.
0: Well, that wasn't the direction I was planning to take it in, but I'm glad we could have this bizarre detour. Since now you know. Now now I'm going to question the sugar content of my of my man juice. Billy like visibly like retracted into himself yes. um all right but surprisingly anyway my point in all this is surprisingly fighting off a horde of semen crazed ants didn't stop me from enjoying this film I was very surprised um, in, we'll get into it a little bit later when I saw this film in the cinema I was not a fan but watching it again with my sort of expectations in the right place mm. I actually thoroughly enjoyed it excellent I've been noticing, and have you been noticing this, Billy? That a lot of the time, your enjoyment of these films depend, like the Marvel films in general, depends on your sort of expectations going into them. Yes.
1: Um, I don't know. I I enjoyed this film, but it was weird. It was like maybe I couldn't remember it because I didn't enjoy. It. <laughs> I no, I no, I don't know. I Wait, just, I'm the old
0: one, and you I can't know, remember a I movie know, from know, like know. four years ago. What, yeah,
1: no, I I don't know. For some reason, I couldn't in, couldn't. In, I didn't enjoy initially the beginning. Okay. I just felt weirdly slow
0: and slightly bored. It was classic Shane Black, right? Like the voiceover. Yeah, and I love
1: Shane Black films. I mean, he's only directed three, but yeah, there's not many all the of films them that he's written. Mm. Like Long Kiss Goodnight is one of my
0: favorite films. When did that come out? Is that in any way related to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Oh, uh, it came out before Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Okay. He didn't direct it. He, he just did. wrote it. Yeah, he just wrote it yeah okay see i didn't find that issue with the beginning i just felt like it was i didn't find it slow i just think it was shane black doing shane black tropes okay which is like the voiceover and he seems to like to sort of deliberately try and throw you off what's going to happen like the same way i think the other guys opens with like i not the other guys sorry nice guys his most recent film opens with like that kid finding like the dead porn star yeah and it's sort of like, they don't give you any context, they just, he just sort of throws you in and then reveals a mystery. Yeah. And I it, like that. I do too. I think some it, films. I, it's just that he, in all his films, he seems to use he seems to use it to be like, how did we get into this wacky situation? Yeah, I know. And, Addison, and I, I can see how that would be Tyson, but I didn't find it slow. No, okay. Well, uh, for those listening at home, we want to quickly recap what, what the show is about and who we are. Yes, so we are... I'm Christoph. Uh, I'm somewhat burnt out in these films and usually I'm the more cynical of the two of us when it comes to these films. And Billy, what about what about I you? I am the peppy cheerleader mm. of
1: the podcast. I do have a cheerleader outfit. I'm wearing it right
0: now. And look, just put your nipple back in place, please, Billy. It's very distracting.
1: <laughs> I can't help it. They're like headlights. <laughs> um, but
0: yes, I look, I like
1: the films, but I will point out if it's shit or not. Yes, but so, you seem to have yeah. a
0: lot. I feel like your enthusiasm for these films is a lot. There's a lot more of it than what yeah, I have. But I game. do point out when something is bad. Or of like, course, yeah, if something's shit, we'll call it out. Yeah.
1: So, like, I mean, Christoph is the, <clears throat> I guess, Statler and Waldorf of the podcast. Uh, two Muppets combined to one. Yes, I'm Kermit,
0: um, and Miss Piggy. Um, Thanks for throwing Miss Biggie in there. <laughs> well, I don't know how to cut a bitch. <laughs> um,
1: or, you know, for Australian listeners uh, David and Margaret. Yes, da- Christoph is the David
0: and I am the Margaret. Uh, but yeah. All right, well, do we want to cut to the trailer and then we'll get into talking about a little bit of the context of this film? Excellent, we will do. I'm Tony Stark build neat stuff, I got a great girl and occasionally save the world. So why can't I sleep? You elected me on a single platform. I will defend this country at all costs. The Mandarin must be stopped.
1: You don't know who I am.
0: You'll never see me coming.
1: What are you going to do about these attacks?
0: The whole world's gonna be watching. The question, where is Tony Stark? Things are different now. I have to protect the one thing that I can't live without. That's you. Mr.
1: Stark. Is the first day of what's left of your life. Go! I'm going to offer the choice to you life or a meaningful death
0: you're not a man you're nothing more than a maniac i'm not afraid of you no politics here just good old-fashioned revenge all right and we're back now, Billy, it's time to jump into context. Uh, for our listeners who might be new to the show, what we do in context is we talk about the box office ratings, the critical reception, mm-hmm. some of the uh, production information on the film, just to sort of yeah. give uh, a broader context of how it was received at the time. And not so much with this film, but often we'll talk about the political landscape that it was and sometimes... brought up into
1: some of that production stuff we'll delve into later on in our pickup section yes. as well if it deems worthy
0: um and in today in context as well i'm keen to sort of talk about our own reactions to this film because this film was quite polarizing at the yeah. time so, All right.
1: yeah, and it came out in... So,
0: it came out in 2013. Yes. Three so... years after uh, Iron Man 2, which came out in 2010. And one year after Avengers. Yeah, so this was the first post-Avengers film. And... and
1: this is when I think Marvel started to really, like,
0: one film a year or one film every two years type thing. Yes, I think they got a little bit... You feel like after Avengers was such a big success, they realised they could be more aggressive with their slate.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, this is when Disney owned it all now, 100%.
0: Mm, And it's... Yes, and it... All except Hulk. (laughs) Yeah, because that movie went so well.
1: No, no, I think, like, the Hulk franchise, they don't own it
0: 100%. That's why the Hulk doesn't have his own individual film. He only appears posh as a big film. I can't remember if I brought this up on a Hulk episode, but I'm not convinced at all that the Hulk can hold up his own film. Even with Ruffalo.
1: I think it's very... I think the Hulk would work great as a TV show,
0: not a film. I just don't think the character on screen can sustain his own series. Oh,
1: I mean, look, I mean, there were some Hulk TV shows. Like, there was the original Hulk TV show, the 90s one. There is some, like, um, I mean, there's so many of those shows, but, like, you know, there's a guy travelling America or travelling the road type thing, helping people every different episode type thing. Anthony Bourdain? No. Yes,
0: yes, (laughs) yes. Technically, yes. (laughs) Anthony Bourdain is the credible Hulk of the (laughs) chef world. (laughs) <laughs> the Culinary Hulk Yes Um, I would argue that like Ragnarok was I a... a drawing of that now The Culinary Hulk <laughs> Um, I would argue that Ragnarok was a good Hulk film Yeah No it was good Um, I kind of oh, like when the Hulk storyline Is sort of packaged into another hero's film I think that works well Like it did in Avengers And like it did in um, Ragnarok yeah. as opposed to him in his own film so who directed oh, <laughs> let's just get let's get yeah, back to who, it let's, who directed Iron Man 3 yeah so Shane Black and he wrote the screenplay as well is that correct Billy
1: uh, yeah he co-wrote the screenplay with Drew Pierce uh, Drew Pierce wrote the screenplay for Iron uh, sorry Mission Mission Impossible Rogue Nation which was a good film <laughs> thank <It> you
0: was... <laughs> you no, just no, had no, to what? say it that no it no because like,
1: there have been some shitty Mission Impossible films are people's favourites
0: well so Tom so, Cruise is in a lot of good films and a lot of crap as well yeah I would it's argue. weird
1: Tom Cruise is like in his later years I'm enjoying some of the films he's in more because I I despise that short short man um, <laughs> uh, I just yeah but for some reason I don't mind him in Mission Impossible
0: okay yeah it's weird I, I think th- of the,
1: but I think that's the whole James Bond type film that I like. I like the spy films,
0: like the spy sort of thriller yeah, the,
1: thing. The, the the shitty gadget things, not the like actual spy films, which aren't like oh, you know, yeah. James Bond.
0: Like John Le Carre, sort of where it's more realistic. Yeah, uh, I like, like my realistic yeah, spy. I like
1: my realistic spy films and I like my unrealistic spy films. Yeah, like
0: well, like uh, not spy fi, but like uh, spy mixed with a bit of science fiction I elements. Like spy fi, but I thought spy fi just referred to sci- like spy fiction, not specifically spy fiction with science fiction elements, which James Bond has in the gadgets and stuff. So
1: Spy-fi. So. Spy-fi. Oh, God, now I sound
0: like Sean Connery. I was about to say, you've just gone the full circle and you're, and you're Connery. Um, the interesting, It's interesting that you bring up the link to Mission Impossible because when Black and uh, Pierce uh, worked on this script, they wanted to make it more character-centric mm-hmm. and more focused on thriller elements. Both, and to me, both those... Both those do shine through in this film.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I remember f- getting the thriller parts to it.
0: Like, it's not a thriller film, I don't no, think. No, yeah, I don't think it is a thriller But it's got thrilling some of the thriller yeah. tropes and elements to it. Yeah, um, and also, for some of
1: our listeners who are fans of The Runaways. Um, uh,
0: the comic series by Brian K. Vaughan. Yeah,
1: so Drew, So back in the day, um, they were going to make a Runaways film. Um, Drew Pease wrote the script for it, and... Um, Marvel impressed by his work on the Runaway script,
0: um, put him to help out on Iron Man three. And I w- do you know if that Runaway script was in any no. way influential on the TV series?
1: No, it was um, two different. Um, what do they call the people that are in charge of the TV show? Uh, showrunners. Yeah, so different showrunners for the TV show. Okay. Um, and didn't involve the script. Apparently, the script was shelved based on the fact that. The Avengers performing so well as
0: a team film. Okay. Yeah. Did they feel like they didn't need another team film?
1: Yeah.
0: Because Runaways, the TV series, really, it doesn't feel like a team... It's not a traditional sort of team.
1: It feels like the OC with superpowers. Yeah, 100%. And I, and I I'd I'd enjoy it all. Yeah.
0: I've watched it, and I actually really enjoyed it as well, but mm-hmm. I don't think it would work as a film. No. Um, Do you want to talk about uh, how, how it did with the old... I was kind to I, try, was I was trying to come up with a nickname for Cash and yeah, it was he was doing Christopher
1: was doing the the, the um f-
0: three fingers the like, old green papers yes.
1: I I just what are some of the I just wanted to mention for some of our listeners who don't know of Shane Black which if you don't you're
0: in feel- it um, oh, wow. Okay, I like how you start off with, hey, I'm going to educate you, yeah, and then you pivoted well, she, to, it, you but, fucking idiots!
1: Well, she, I didn't
0: say fucking, I just said I yes. well, I added that, because I think tonally that's where you were headed.
1: No, no, I
0: wasn't. Um,
1: so he's directed his first directorial film. See, I didn't realise this. I thought he's directed multiple films.
0: He comes across as a sort of person who, he has such a distinct voice, you just assume he's made a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, but he really hasn't.
1: It's weird, it's like... He's gotten more credit for the films that he's written than the actual director.
0: I, I don't know if you were aware of this, but when he was starting out, something that made him stand out is he used to write like, funny asides and notes in his scripts. Yeah.
1: Well, apparently, like, he, we'll say so he wrote uh, Lethal Weapon 1 and 2. I assumed he directed them, not, re- just, I not write the script. Um, the Long Kiss Goodnight, I know of that as a Shane Black film. I didn't realise it wasn't directed mm. by him.
0: And I think we'll talk about this a little bit more in pickups, but Shane Blank has. I mean, I think Distinct isn't doing him, uh, isn't quite describing. It's almost an overpowering voice mm-hmm. to the point I feel like he has such sort of strong tropes and things he leans on. Much like uh, Aaron Sorkin comes to mind as well, that anything Aaron Sorkin touches, it is so obvious it's Aaron Sorkin. I feel like it's the same with Shane Black.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, and also one of Shane Black's sort of, oh, I don't know, pet-pet, not pet-pet, uh, pet... Like, tropes, or... One of his, I guess, tropes is, personal tropes, is that there's... Most of his films are set around Christmas.
0: Yes, um, and again, I think in pickups, I'd love to dive into the similarities between this and uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the film we did before it. But yeah, uh, the Christmas things comes up, as does his... I feel like his dialogue has a certain cadence to it. Yeah. And he also really loves the guys skulking around corners with a like, with with pistol. Yeah. Which, I mean, for a, super, for a character who previously has had no affection or affinity for guns, uh, Tony Stark uses a handgun quite a lot in this film. Yes. Which, again, feels like that's Shane Black almost overpowering the Iron Man character. No. Uh, all right, look, before we delve into pick up territory, let's look at the box office. How much did this movie cost to make?
1: So it costed. It cost, costed. Costed. Uh, costed. Um Two hundred million dollars. Um, comparing that to Iron Man two was also two hundred million. Yeah,
0: and Iron Man one was uh, one forty. Okay, uh, and Avengers, the movie that came before, was two hundred twenty million.
1: Yeah, I feel like, and we mentioned this in our Avengers podcast, a lot of the money for the Iron Man films. Um, goes towards CGI the armor. So we've That's talked. That's a lot of the budget. Yeah, isn't? so most times when you're seeing the body shot of the armor, it's very much like, oh, it's Tony talking, whatever, or. Um, so it's Tony wearing the helmet, um, hands, and feet, and then the rest
0: of it is like, like that. Like the green suits? Or the, the green ball, or the, or weird the black the suits? The ping pong ball suits. Yeah,
1: those type of suits. The ones that the Hulk wears as well. Um, have seen some of the behind the f so, so Like, even for turtles, like, they wear one that's actually a costume that's fully the size Ninja, of Ninja Turtles, you're Yeah, the Teenage Ninja, Ninja Turtles. So they, you're
0: not suggesting that all turtles in nature are actually, like, Andy Circus in a green-screen suit? Yes.
1: <laughs> um, so, like, it, they... Like, for the Teenage Ninja Turtles, they, like, wear... Like a... Wee, to the home, yeah. It's, like, entirely the shape of the turtle. And then they just CGI onto it. Like, the, the
0: textures and the colour. Yeah. Um
1: box office out of the three iron man has made the most
0: well and significantly so it did yeah. very well it, it did over a billion
1: i think that might be the avengers helping
0: i was about to say the i feel like the avengers upped the stakes of this universe like of the marvel universe so much and i think proved that marvel could handle its shit. it had done Five films plus a team film, something that wonder, hadn't really been yeah. done before. Hey,
1: I wonder if this also might be a different director. Nothing against John Favreau, but everyone is went to this film maybe because it's a Shane Black film. I don't
0: agree with you. I um,
1: know. Oh, I'm just saying uh, there might have been a reason why.
0: Look, I think I could be completely wrong because I'm just going off my own anecdotal experience. But I think recently, like in the last couple of years, people are are slowly beginning to, or now give a shit about writers and directors and the creative talent that's attached to a film. I feel like before then, people didn't, like I certainly didn't have any sort of, when I saw like these other, uh, like the phase one films, I wasn't seeing them because of any specific talent attached. I was seeing them because it was Captain America or because it was, well, well, not because it was Thor, I saw that one. Just so I knew what was going on in the universe, but yeah. I saw Iron Man because it was Iron Man, not well, because see, of anyone specific attached.
1: Well, I got excited for I—I was—I mean, I was going to go watch this because it's a Marvel film. Yes, but I did get excited for this because it was Shane. So
0: Shane Black. Black was a draw for you.
1: He's one of my favourite screenwriters directors.
0: Okay, hmm. interesting. Um, so. Yeah. So, what was the actual box office numbers for this? If you have oh, them Oh, so
1: um, so the box office for this was
0: one point two one five billion. And for comparison, the previous two Iron um, Man films barely cracked. I think Iron Man two did just over half a mil, half a billion. Sorry. Yeah.
1: So Iron Man did five eighty five million. Yes. And Iron Man two did six hundred and twenty four million.
0: And as a point of comparison, Avengers did 1.519 uh, billion. Yes. Five hundred. So. I feel like this film, for what it was, did very, very well. Mm. Um, yeah, no,
1: I, I... Yeah. I... Yeah, I really... I think it did really well for what it was,
0: Shall we talk about the elephant in the room with this film? Which is the fact that it was quite polarising.
1: Yes. Um, so, apparently, it got, like, an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Which we've realised in recent weeks that, I mean, not many people give, like, um, with Rotten Tomatoes... Lately, there's. It's been noted that a lot of people hack Rotten Tomatoes. They
0: they rig the system. They mobilize people to give things bad reviews to to sway it in a certain way.
1: Yeah, which is very. I mean, back in the day, it wasn't like this, but now it's. They're doing that. I don't think around. Mm. I think
0: my, I think the issue is that now toxic fans have the tools to connect with other toxic fans mm. Which uh, turns their opinions from just a personal opinion Into something they genuinely feel is a, le- is a legitimate objective view And mm. opinions are just that, they're fucking opinions
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people, from what I read Some of the reviews, some people that didn't like Iron Man 2 Really mm. enjoyed this Whereas some people that really enjoyed Iron Man Two didn't like this.
0: I so we t- uh, talked about it previously. When I saw it in the cinema, yeah. I really liked Iron Man Two at the time. I thought it yeah. was really good. Now it's not so great. It's aged. It's a little it got a, a whole bunch of problematic shit in it. It treats Black Widow terribly. So my opinions have changed. But at the, anyway, when this film came out, I utterly hated it. I um. In fact, it upset me so much for the next month. I was in such a stroppy mood about this film. Yeah. Where's I, I was a like I was a toxic fan. Yeah. I you know, I felt like it ruined the character, it ruined the films, felt like it was a cop out. I was angry that you know that the Mandarin was a was was a twist and that he didn't fight the Mandarin. I really yeah, I was a real bitch about a little bitch about this film. And the funny thing is that when I rewatched the film, because my expectations were low, or not not low, but because I knew what the film was, I was able to enjoy it. Yeah,
1: like as I mentioned, like so. Some people really enjoyed this film. Some people didn't. Mm. Um, a lot of people that didn't, their reasons for not enjoying it, they thought it was too family friendly, and then they started to blame
0: too family. What well, this one was too family friendly compared to the
1: other. I mean, no, I don't friends. agree with that at well, all. And I think the reason they said that is because this was kind of the first Disney film. And they thought this might have been the start of the Tony Stark
0: kills a bunch of people in this film. It's not... Like, it's not... And and
1: also I think they didn't like the fact that it was more of a Tony Stark film than an Iron Man film. Okay. Um, Look, I enjoyed the film when I first watched it. Um, We'll get into the Mandarin factor. Yeah,
0: because that's a big component of this film.
1: Yeah. I... I got it. I got what they were trying to do. Wasn't... I'm not saying I wasn't a huge fan... I mean, I, I've watched the TV show and read the comics and I understand the origins of the Mandarin. He's and a the, problematic character. He's a problematic character. He was the, you know, the yellow terror era type uh, thing.
0: So, yeah, he's sort of... He's all the... What is referred to sort of as Orientalism tropes, right? Yes. Like, yeah, he's this, this sort of caricature of what they thought like an Asian threat was. And yeah. it's... Pretty fucking racist, and my guess is poorly researched, if researched at all. Yeah,
1: back in the day. Yeah, But we'll get into that when we talk about the Mandarin later on in pickups. But, I mean, I get what they were trying to do, so I wasn't a toxic fanboy about this one. But then, you know me, I've never been a toxic fanboy. I, I mean, if I hate something, I'll bitch about it, but that's about it.
0: You know, I think part of toxic fandom, and at least this was my experience at the time, was, believe it or not... Uh, at a time in my life when I was so like ridiculously excited for a film and felt ridiculously really? personally uh, yeah, for a film? A, a different time, more innocent times. Um, you were innocent? <laughs> um, and at a time where th- the film not meeting my expectations upset me so much, surprise, surprise, my life wasn't going that great. My life was pretty, pretty rubbish at the time. Uh, so it meant that I, I basically put all this expectation on this film to, you know, This film had to fill this gaping hole in my life. It didn't, and I I was toxic about it. So my guess is a lot of these uh, ding-dongs online who are getting upset about, like Star Wars. Ding-dongs. I'm willing, yeah, I'm pulling out the big guns. I'm willing to bet that, guess what? Their lives probably aren't going super great, and instead of addressing the problems in their lives, they're getting shitty about a film. Yes. That's just, that's my hot take. Yes. Get your lives together, MRAs. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's my, um, that's the call to action for this episode yes
1: um, but no look, I enjoyed it full. I enjoyed it I mean I enjoyed it this second time around but as I mentioned like I don't know the beginning of it it took me a while to get back into it
0: I wanted to before we dive into uh, pickups, I wanted to sort of ask you something Billy uh, is this idea of trailers? And the idea that I think trailers can ruin a lot of people's enjoyments of films. And I wonder if one of the reasons I got so upset and a lot of people got so upset is I mean the trailers blatantly set up a Tony Stark vs. Mandarin matchup that doesn't happen in this film. Um I I got that via the trailer, but
1: but I think that's the whole that's the whole thing of this film. You're meant to really think. You're meant to think the Mandarin isn't is the overall villain. But oh my god, wait, surprise. No, there's someone else that was the the head honcho all the time. Okay. I just I, is, I like those kind of stories
0: where they misdirect you. Yeah. I think one of the reasons they got so much backlash is as we said, like the Mandarin the pretty problematic character, but for ages and I'm not I'm not sort of super caught up on Iron Man now, but he was, like, the big Iron Man villain. Like, sort of the Green Goblin to Tony Stark. Yeah, he's so, not
1: used as much
0: these days. For, for very <laughs> obvious reasons. But I think a lot of fans were hoping for that. So, sort of, this is a third film. This is a climax. It's him versus a big bad. Yeah. And that. And I think that was part of it. Whereas if it was maybe, like, a lower tier villain, yeah. maybe then people would have been less disappointed when you had that, uh, had the cop-out. Yeah. Or the, the twist. But... Uh, um, Simon Pegg addressed this when the trailer for the third um Star Trek movie came out. He basically said, We didn't cut the trailer, this trailer isn't reflective of our film, please don't get angry. Yeah. And sort of highlighting this idea that the marketing team often now is taking care of the trailer and that what they do for the trailer is to sell the film and it's often very different to what the actual the actual film is and in some cases can undermine the film's creative vision.
1: Well, see that's the thing, it's like I feel like there's no other way you could have marketed this film.
0: You you reckon you had to keep hands close to the chest and yeah. Well,
1: that's the thing. It's like you'll only find out that the Mandarin isn't the man who we think he is until right at the end.
0: Yes, mind you, I'd say about halfway through, uh, it becomes obvious that more is a play. Yeah. All right, look, Billy. I feel like it's probably about time we got into pickups because we're at this point we're pretty much talking about the film. Yeah. All right, we're back. Time to jump into pickups. Billy, for our listeners, what is pickups?
1: Pickups are when we go pick up little pieces that we want to discuss that from our not second viewing, but of our viewing of the film. of our most
0: recent viewing. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of the time, these pickups are sort of things that I feel like we'd only really notice after seeing it a couple of times. Sometimes they're thematic, sometimes they're specific Easter eggs. Yes. Other times, it might be something that annoyed us or delighted us about this film that maybe didn't annoy or delight us last time. Mm. All right. Uh, Do you want to go first, or would you like me to go first? No, you go first. Alright. My first pick-up, and I think this was one of the reasons why I struggled with this film the first time I saw it, was that this isn't a Marvel Cinematic Universe story. It's very much a story about Tony Stark. Him as a person, rather than him as Iron Man.
1: him dealing with his PTSD from the Avengers. Yes. Experience.
0: I would argue, though, that... Almost getting stuck in space. I would almost argue that that PTSD is a gateway to him figuring out who he is in relation to the Iron Man suit. Yeah, it's almost like a midlife crisis, but not. Yeah, it br- I think that's a catalyst that brings on uh, yeah. brings on a crisis. And also, I think just from a story perspective, it gives him a... Uh, it means it sort of whenever Shane Black wants to nerf Tony Stark, he just has like a, a PTSD t- a- attack. Yeah. Or when he wants to sort of show him as weak. Um... Something else that's interesting about this film is, obviously, as we've discussed before, the first post-Avengers film, but unlike most of the other films in this second phase mm. of Marvel films, it doesn't expand the universe.
1: No. Well, this thing and we've talked about this, so it did, like, it felt like the end cap of a trilogy, but then... There wasn't really... Inter- a trilogy to begin mm. with.
0: I There wasn't really an... It's like it's almost forced a trilogy on yes, which, for sure.
1: But it's not like, and I mean, you you know it's a, they've made it as a cap into the trilogy by the way that... the film ends, and also, well, not post credits or sorry, not uh, before credits, but at the end of uh, all the Iron Man films and well, all the Marvel films, they have this like you know cinematic and it shows. Before the boring credits come up, there's, like, animated credits. Yeah, right? and the animated credits for this was, like, showing the actor's name and, like... Them from have... different films. Yeah, and we'll show footage from different films to do this sort of showreel of Iron Man 3. Yeah, Man.
0: and I guess it was probably because, I mean, regardless of whether they want it to be a trilogy or not, at least at the time this film was out, I believe uh, Robert Downey Jr. was not up for any more films. Yeah,
1: he was saying he'd like Wanted to do his commitments But he didn't want to do Any more Iron Man films Specifically
0: Yeah, so now he sort of Just pops up and plays it. I mean like But he has changed that
1: In recent times Saying he wouldn't mind Doing a third one And he Sorry And he just realised How much ridiculous money He can get from this Yeah, he wouldn't mind Doing a fourth one And apparently he has Also said to Shane Black Wouldn't mind you Doing the fourth one which would be interesting. What
0: would okay? What villain would you like to see Shane Black and uh, I Assuming mean, We get Shane Black and um, Robert Downey Jr. What villain would you like them up against?
1: I mean, look, I know there is. Well, that's the thing. You've got to think of it post. It would be post Thanos. Yes, Avengers. Uh, we'd have to see what happens in Avengers for that. But I mean, I don't know some of the other tech villains. There's MODOK, but that's that would be
0: hard to do. Um, you know who I'd like to see him up against, and this is a bit of a go. bit bit of a uh, no, no, no. not direct pick. Norman Osborn.
1: Oh no. uh, yeah. Not as
0: Green Goblin. Norman Osborn is like a reform. Like I I think it would be cool if Norman Osborn at this point in time used to be the Green Goblin, but is supposedly reformed, sort of almost like a Lex Luthor thing, but is clearly still being evil. I wouldn't. And not... it's him versus yeah. to- Billy. I just like the idea of like billionaire genius versus billionaire genius.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Um, Madame mask. Who's a femme fatale. Um, and I just, she used to be a girlfriend of Tony Tony Stark as well.
0: Yes. Uh, she featured heavily, actually, in Matt Fraction's uh, Iron Man run. Yeah. As she did in Matt Fraction's um, Hawkeye, Hawkeye run. run. He seems to have a lot of affection for that character.
1: She's a really good character, actually.
0: I just... Okay, my feeling about her is I don't think she's a big enough threat. No. I almost... Like, she's not an anti-hero. But she's... In terms of the villain scale, she could almost be an anti-hero. I don't think she's... I feel like her motivations are, and she's always sort of trying to do like a a side hustle or some something to sort of gain money or power. Rather than she doesn't feel like her ambitions would extend to like controlling the world or something huge. She kind she seemed like the sort of character who wants to have her own little racket undisturbed that she's running. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't like seeing a war machine film. I don't. I don't think Don Cheadle's character, like the character, this is no slight to Don Cheadle, he's a great actor, but I don't think the character of War Machine in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, there's enough to it to warrant its own film. I think part of that is because they don't really talk about, I don't really think in any of the films he's been in, they talk about race in a meaningful way. I think it would be, I like the idea of he's an African, you know, sort of like an African American Iron Man. How does the fact that, you know, Statistically, African Americans have a pretty rough run in America. How does that affect what he's doing? You know, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, but but for my guess is uh, for financial reasons, they don't really address that stuff in mm. the um.
1: I mean, it'd be cool to see Justin Howard come back as well.
0: Uh, yes, but I feel like he the same way that he was sort of like a side villain in mm. Iron Man Two. I think he, I don't think he could be the top villain because he's too much of a goofball. Yeah, he never feels like a serious threat enough.
1: Um, another one is another villain, but you could probably have him as, um, a, a sort of part villain in maybe a film that has a couple of villains. You know, yeah, there's the ghost, who is like a, he's like a tech, he's a tech villain. Um, he's like someone who steals sort of information, and,
0: like a sort of like a um a spy yeah kind of
1: he has this ability to be able to like sort of you know phase and steal shit Hence he's okay. called The Ghost um, I mean I f- I figured he would be great as sort of like a henchman in a film
0: okay yeah I feel like he'd play well to the Shane Black sort of aesthetic yeah. like what Shane Black does well I think for that I, f- I, f- I definitely feel like because of what like Shane Black sort of does a thriller cop sort of thing really well I definitely think you'd want a tech villain mm-hmm. rather than like a super powered villain
1: I mean one villain that would never work, I think. In my man would be Finn Fang Foom. <laughs> no I way. I
0: don't think Finn Fang Fu <clears throat> could work at all in um in the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
1: Yeah. I mean there's Zek Stane as well, which
0: is in Oh, of course. Uh, Obadiah Stain's um. Son. Yeah, but he seems like such a the idea of like a villain's son coming back and sort of taking up the villain mantle to mm. me, feels very comic booky, and I think yeah. it would be harder to do on film, especially because Zeke was in, or the fact Obadiah had a family was in no way seated in the first Iron Man yeah. film. Um, but I think, in terms of like the fourth film, I think it would be cool to sort of bring it back thematically to the first film, and the fact that Tony Stark sort of dealing with the aftermath of when it, getting rid of Iron Munger and what he sort of set off, and now having to deal with um with Obadiah's son. So I think. From a tone and theme perspective, it could be really interesting. Yeah, but I just think it would feel like a bit of a movie cop out if it was like, "Hey, turns out this guy has a son and he's angry at you." Um, all right, do we want to do we want to jump to uh, another pickup, my friend? Sure. Um, so uh, you wanted to talk about the Mandarin? Yes. Um, uh, right. the the character, not the beloved fruit. So yeah, the Mandarin was
1: created as an Iron Man villain by Stan Lee and Don Heck. In the sixties, yes, um, and it was very much a like a communism sort of stand-in yeah, Asian villain type thing, Asian mysticism, which is is a trope.
0: Can we can we make correction like poorly or minimally researched Asian mysticism, if yes, researched exactly.
1: at all? You know, oh wow, it's almost like um, see, but it was weirdly kind of done well in well, I don't know. Some people might disagree with me in um, Big Trouble, Little China.
0: Okay, I haven't I haven't seen Big Trouble in Little China.
1: Yeah, but that's got like you know an Asian mystic who's a villain type
0: thing. And Did it feel like it was maybe a little bit more better researched and actual uh, insight into the culture? Kind
1: of ish, maybe. I mean, it looks like I mean, he looks kind of looks like how Mandarin looks like in the comics. Okay, um, with the
0: robes and the big hat type thing. I mean, in the comics, Mandarin also had the uh, ten rings of power. Yeah, ten which ten is referenced of in power. this. There's like the, the terrace he runs. It's
1: called the ten, the ten rings. rings. And so, each ring, like, he's, that's the thing, like, there's, sometimes he's portrayed as an Asian mystic, and other times he's a genius scientist. Because each
0: of the rings has, like,
1: they're based on alien technology type thing. That's meant
0: to be sort of, I thought the idea was that they were meant to be such complex technology that Tony Stark then might have well has been magic. Yeah. And as someone who sort of innately has a affinity for technology, that was always such a big sort of irk to Stark, is the fact that he couldn't understand how these rings worked. Yeah. Um, so he's played by Ben Kingsley. Yes, sir, Ben Kingsley in this film.
1: And it's made out that he's the main villain of the film.
0: And can we talk about his weird-ass accent? I mean, I guess yes. that's deliberate.
1: Yeah, but I it... think they made it out that he isn't, like, Asian in this film.
0: It was so, it was clearly so generic they wanted to make it clear that they weren't trying to send up a specific race. No. Um, oh, and fun! Oh, here. Sorry, this n- is a, this is a tangent. But I, in the first Iron Man film, we talked a lot about the fact that they don't tell you what country it's in. In this film, it is confirmed that it's Afghanistan. Okay. Tony Stark references that he was stuck in an Afghan cave. Yes. So finally, a little bit of clarity to uh, to where he was.
1: Yeah. So in this, we find out. Yeah. Actually, okay. So I found out the i just realised the stereotype that we were talking about. It's the Fu Manchu stereotype. Yes. Um, so, ever one of us look that up. Um, it's actually interesting to read about it. Um, I'm sure it's highly racist. Yeah. But as um, a lot of the stuff, it often is. Yeah, so in this film, we find out at the end that he's not the actual Mandarin from the comics. He's an, he's, an actor. He's an actor playing the part of the Mandarin, which is something that old rich killing created.
0: Yeah, so basically, uh, Aldrich Killian is trying to come up with uh, the, the this extremist technology, which is like a, basically a biological hack yeah. on a on a person. But it's a,
1: making people blow up, and he's covering. that. They like, just hate
0: it when that happens. Yes,
1: and he's covering that
0: by um, blaming the, Mandar- the, blaming the Mandarin. The Mandarin's taking the credit, and yeah. these are seen as terrorist attacks. Yes, which is an, like an interesting concept uh but again i think it, for a lot of people it felt like a huge gut punch when in the third act it's revealed that the mandarin is in fact is a washed up junkie british actor yes
1: um
0: who uh, he also references had he's like probably been on
1: off 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 of broadway
0: for yes for a long time yes and he's also it he references the fact that he's had plastic surgery as well to look this way yes so this is so the mandarin is very much a creation of aldrich killian uh, as basically a smokescreen to his sort of less uh less reputable activities,
1: yeah, and so um apparently apparently um,
0: the portrayal of the Mandarin in this film pissed off some fans i and I assume they well I mean I can speak for myself i was a I was an angry white fanboy, so I assume they're probably angry white dudes, yeah, so there was negative reviews of it um and so. Marvel made
1: so they, when they were making the Marvel films, uh, they, they made these little bitty films that were included on which, the Blu-rays. For which homemade.
0: they do they still do? They did with
1: Thor, right? I'm not sure if they're make, making any more of them. But so one of them is called all, "Hail to the King," and it's all about Trevor Slattery in jail. And you find out. Sorry, that...
0: just for clarification, Trevor Slattery is the actor that Ben Kingsley plays, who's playing the Mandarin.
1: Yes, and so you find out that. No, 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 the Mandarin... There is an actual Mandarin. Which, and he doesn't like the fact that they were, you know... Mocking him, basically. Mocking him, essentially.
0: Which, to me, is sort of like... I think it was... In hindsight now, I think it was bold and wise to be like, you know what, in this universe, there's not a Mandarin as this... The Mandarin is this sort of... A racist Asian... Asian uh, Orientalism sort of character. But then they sort of... Then they go back on it, which is stupid. Hmm. I feel like that just feels like a... A deliberate like uh, appeas- was, yeah. appeasement fan service to the shitty fanboys who were angry. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Look, I didn't
1: mind it. I mean, the, I the think...
0: Mandarin stuff specifically. We're talking oh, no, about is it like no. I
1: mean, in this film, I didn't. I didn't mind the fact that it was like you know they made a joke about
0: it. Coming back, seeing this film for like this is only the second time I saw this film. But knowing the Mandarin cop out was coming, I actually enjoyed it. I thought yeah. it was funny. It was. It was it was great. I mean, Ben Kingsley's performance is very good. Really he's very enjoy funny. I really Ben Kingsley's performance in most things. Yeah, he's just he just brings this like, this washed up druggy actor to life. And there's a great line where Tony Star where he. Trevor Slattery talks about how you know he was an actor, but then he got washed up because he got addicted, you know, had substance abuse issues and yeah. and got addicted to drugs, and then Tony Stark says, Oh, so did these guys come and take you off drugs? And he's like, No, they gave me more drugs. Yeah. Like, and it's just, Huzzah! It's, it's just it's just very it, yeah, it was just like I think he sells he sells this sort of this washed up actor character who would do these terrible things very well.
1: Yeah. So, Christoph, what's your next pickup?
0: Okay, uh, my next pick up is the, let's talk a little bit more about Tony Stark, and mainly the fact that this film ends with the phrase, I am Iron Man, which of course was the, uh, the phrase that ended the first film, and when we talked about Iron Man, uh, one, we talked about the idea that this statement felt like the thesis statement for the Marvel Universe, sort of a clear distinction, they were going to be doing superheroes differently to the way we'd done them before, a bit more grounded, and especially the idea that secret identity really hasn't played a major role in any of the films. Yeah. Even in spite like even in at the end of Spider Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. I think in one of the cu- I think in one of the cutscenes Aunt May finds out that he's Spider Man. Yes. Yeah, after thrown, credits, right, scenes, yeah, yeah. Which is like one of the big thrusts of Spider Man is Aunt May can never know that I'm Spider Man. Yeah, but in the comics, she does find out for a while. But as much he—he like erases her mind through magic or something. Yeah, Doctor uh, Strange does something for him.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, in, in, even in the Ultimate Spider series, she—he she found out. Okay. Yeah.
0: I, look, I guess my point is that that thesis, that I am Iron Man thesis statement felt very powerful and very poignant. So it's interesting that this last film would uh, would return to that. Yeah. Uh, and I guess for me, uh, the struggle that we saw we've that has been in all these three films is the idea of where does Tony Stark end and where does Iron Man begin? Is Iron Man the suit is Iron Man Tony Stark? Yeah. And that's blatantly addressed uh, in is it I I believe it's in Iron Man 2 where Nick Fury tells Tony Stark that they want Iron Man is approved for the Avengers, but Tony Stark isn't. Yes. So this idea that they're separate entities. Um how did you how did you like the way it handled sort of Tony Stark and his I relationship mean, I, with the Iron Man suit?
1: I did like that, you know, that whole constant t- tinkering thing, like his PTSD as, like, trying to focus on other things. So he builds, he keeps... He works.
0: Yeah, he works. Well, a great... I mean, right at the beginning, the, we see that he's now in the Mark 42, and yeah. I believe the, the most recent suit we saw in Avengers was Mark 7. Yeah. So, he's, so it definitely gives the idea that he's been working hard, and he even lies to Pepper Potts. And says that it's like Mark 20-something. Yeah. When really we know it's Mark 42.
1: Yes. Um, 42 is the, you know, answer to everything. The, right. That's
0: right. Existence, the universe and everything.
1: Yes. Um, no, I, look, I really enjoyed it. Um, I did like the suit as well. But he's barely in it, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, I did like that this was a Tony Tony Stark-focused series. I mean, that's the thing. The, you can't have Iron... I don't know. I mean, you can Well, can have you a... have
0: Iron Man without Tony Stark? You can. I mean, you can. I think but that's the I mean... question they were asking in these films, though.
1: So. Yeah. I feel like you can... That's the thing. It's always been Tony
0: Stark. But... Okay, so... There's a, that I think this film speaks to that because War Machine is in it as Iron Patriot. Yes. Uh, which in the... Who was Iron Patriot in the comics, though? So, in the
1: comics, um... He... Rhodey was never Iron Patriot. So, in the comics, um... There was a period in the Marvel Universe where the villains sort of took over and became head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, or is that Dark Reign? Yeah, Dark Reign. And so, that's right. Um, Norman Osborn took over S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and he basically made a bastardised version of the Iron Man armour. Yeah. And he called cool. it Iron Patriot. And was essentially decked out in the red, white and blue.
0: I believe the design was very similar to the Iron Patriot design in this yeah, film. Yeah, except it's like made the I- War Machine version of Iron Patriot. Uh, and the interesting thing about War Machine in this film is, Rhodey does a bit near the end where him and Tony Stark, you know, go all buddy cop. But the actual bits of Rhodey in the um, in the <clears throat> in the Iron Patriot armor, he actually becomes a liability because they, because uh, they capture him. He's trapped in the armor. They, they. This is the second time as well that, that he's been trapped in the armor. Yes, you're right. He's become the a liability. Film. You're so right. Uh, I forgot about that in the second film when um, Whiplash takes control of his suit, mm. um, and Killian basically uses his heat powers to force Rhodes out of the suit, and then the suit they use the suit uh, to, to go kill and take the president. <laughs> which sounds so ridiculous, but anyway, my point is that this film felt like it, it tries to position the Iron Man suits almost as holding Tony Stark back. I mean, when he crashes in that small town, yeah. which again felt like a very sort of uh, Shane Black trope that you got Tony Stark out of his home territory, the fish out of water stuff. Yeah. Um, the, Tony Stark is literally dragging this useless suit behind him. So mm. it's literally holding him down, like weighing him down. Yeah. And same in the war, uh, when he's fighting the... um the Mandarin's helicopter's at his house, and he falls in the water, and there's a bit where the suit's not responding, and it's beginning to fill up with water. And to make you think for a second that maybe this suit's going to become like a watery coffin he's going to drown in, it's a reoccurring thing that the suit is holding him back. Mm. And as a result a lot of the action is done by Tony Stark using either just bits of the suit, yeah. like the great scene when he's in the mansion and he's got like one boot and one hand and flying around shooting, yeah. which is great. Or at the, near that final big uh, fight scene at the end of the film where he's jumping from the, the suit to, to suit. suit. Do you want to um, talk about some of the... There's a whole I'll bunch look, of suits. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about the
1: suits, but like that whole him and one shoe and yeah. hand type thing. When did he become agent of SHIELD? I want to know. Like... He becomes
0: super... Oh, like, yeah, he becomes, like, very good at doing, like... Spy shit. Yeah. Like, that's true.
1: When did he become a uh, Tony Stark agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Like, I don't know, like... That's, that's a good point. I mean, I get probably he's had some bodyguard
0: and kung fu lessons or whatever, but... Surely they could have just referenced that he's, like, had a bit of, like, parkour training or a bit of, like, self-defence training or something.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we do notice, like, all... Like, uh, it probably isn't the Hall of Armors. Um, which is kind of cool, like, as you see it in the comics and the cartoons a bit, like, this whole sort of vault of armors.
0: Yeah, sort of like his Batcave, right? Yeah. It, it's um a big display of all these specialised Iron Man armors, Yeah, which is great for toys.
1: Yeah, and there's all these various armors that, you know, are
0: used for specific things, like underwater, space, um... There's, like, one armour in this that, like, I don't think... Heavy, heavy- lifting... There's one. Presumably, he's not actually meant to wear it, but where like all the bits come apart, yeah, and like fly off and attack and stuff, yeah. Um, and the see Hulkbuster,
1: the, yeah, the Hulkbuster. Uh, we see the Scarlet. One of the suits is the Scarlet Centurion armor, which he wore for a period in the comics. Which okay, was, it was very red and white. Um, it was like the one that looked like it had he had shoulder pads. Does he actually hop into that in the film? Yeah, he does. Interesting. Um, I think it's when he first versus. Um, Aldrich Killian near the end.
0: Okay, yeah. I, so I like the idea that he wasn't. Whereas in the other films, especially like in Iron Man One, where he just hops in the suit, does badass shit, gets out of suit. Here, mm-hmm. he's never really in suit for a long period of time, and, and especially that final fight scene. Whenever he's getting a bit too comfortable in the suit, something happens that forces him out of the suit.
1: Yeah, and also like we notice that Avengers is sort of the first. In the Avengers film, the armor that's in that is like the first step of sort of like not
0: having to like actually have the whole machinery to put the armor on him. Yes, the more portable version. Yeah, which we started in the first one. I uh, sorry, in the second film, of course, the, the suitcase, suitcase armor. But even that was quite clunky in comparison. I think he had to like step into the suitcase, and the armor also looked weaker and lighter as well. You got the impression it was like a inferior version of the armor, yeah. so it could be transportable. Yeah, whereas it's, here, like it is linked, it tracks him. Yeah, and like it shoots off and everything. Which
1: look, I enjoy because I like that t- Iron Man's tech is upgrading with each film. Yeah,
0: I, they do, they do that, like that really that. well. Yeah. No, I I would ag- I would agree with that. And I it also made for a lot of comedy as the bits were sort of like hitting his body mm. and him like like getting pushed back yeah, by. Because he's still perfecting the armor. But I also like that it sort of made it clear that he's just a dude, mm. and that it's his brain and his sort of the fact he's always tinkering. That makes him a hero. Yeah, of course. Which was, again, an interesting distinction. The idea that you have Iron Man and you have Tony Stark who maintains him. Mm. And sort of raising the question then, who maintains Tony Stark? Exactly. Uh, do we want to finish off by talking about the women in this film?
1: Yeah, well, look, I'll talk about... Um, the Big Bad? Uh, the Big bads, which is Aldrich Killian. Or oh, he's the Mandarin. Also... He screams
0: at the end of the film yeah. as if to well, appease
1: people. Because it involves talking about the, um, the female... Female characters in this film. Mm. Now, so Aldrich Killian um, is, is he in the
0: comics in any capacity? Well, did you
1: read the Extremist storyline? I have not read the Extremist. So yeah, so he's part of the Extremist storyline, which is written by Warren Ellis, which this film is pretty much mostly based on. I mean, there are as was the first film
0: as well was heavily Ellis based.
1: Yes. Um, so this film, um, I mean, most of the Marvel Cinematic Iron Man is based on Warren Ellis's stuff. Mm. Um, now the extrema Storyline is about this technology which is sort of like similar to this it's hacking the body um, now Aldrich Killian also did have like heat powers in the film sorry in the comics based similar to
0: this he breathes fire in this which did look pretty rubbish yeah that was I was thing. like really
1: yeah because he's the Mandarin he's got oh he's got the fing Fang foom tattoo on the back of him really head. I didn't pick that no, up no someone oh. just mentioned that the dragon tattoo means he's like fing Fang foom <laughs> Like um, a thing, 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 thing. Yes, camp. so, so he's played by. I'll just plan is played by Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. beloved Australian. Is yeah, he, is do he... you know what I would like to point out that? Out of all the villains in the Marvel a Cinematic lot of the Universe, yeah, out of all the villains in the Marvel
0: Cinematic Universe, two of the better ones are played by Aussies. Of course, referring to Hugo Weaving as a Red Skull. Yes, you know what I feel like. I'm surprised at how many Australians are in these films. Like, we do we do alright. We're pretty good. Because we've got, we got Hamsworth. Yeah. We've got we've Hugo uh, Weaving.
1: Yeah, but do we count the Kiwis ones as... Oh, uh, as is Hugo as well? Weaving Kiwi? No, no, I'm talking about... um, What's his name? He plays... Uh, oh, God, he's in Rock and Rock. Oh, Taika Waititi? No.
0: Oh, uh, Oh yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah um, oh, now his name is... Oh. Yeah,
1: oh, I listeners, did. I like to do this to piss off Chris. Damn it, what's his Cause name?
0: Because he, he has a bad memory. Wait, do you, do you, do you know the name?
1: Yes, I do. I'm
0: waiting. Fuck you! I'm waiting for you to I find can't. out. What Can it I is. play Judge and Carl Urban? Yes. That's there it. we go. Carl well, no, Urban. He's, look, he's New Zealand. But between the two the two uh, countries, we seem to have a quite a lot of representation in this film. And yes, of course, Cape Blanchet. Well, we, yeah, exactly. But with you know, with Australians, when when
1: or, when Kiwis win something, they're, they're Australian. Australian. When, when they're and then when bad, they're shitty, they're Kiwis, Kiwis. again. Um, Like when Russell Crowe threw the phone? Kiwi. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so I I think in the comics he was disabled um, as well and packed his
0: body to be similar in this film. Yeah, he goes from, like, he goes from geek to chic very quickly. And it's all two extremists. (laughs) What's your secret? Extremists. Extremists. Maybe he's born with it. Maybe it's (laughs) Extremis. I like that we're on the same lame... uh...
1: Um, Yeah, so... And also, he's the head of AIM, his think tank, which I liked, but that was another thing that annoyed me. Missed opportunity. Yeah, missed opportunity, because, you know... Okay, so in the comics, AIM is called Advanced Idea Mechanics, similar to the film.
0: Um, They're the tech guys of all the villains, pretty much.
1: Yeah, AIM is an industry... AIM is a sort of cabal, like... They're all about, you know or scientific whatever. They used to be the weapons division of HYDRA in the comics. Um, but then they offshoot it because HYDRA was too... Like holding them back or something? No, too extreme in their views. So... You mean like too racist?
0: Yes, too racist. <laughs> I was about to say too alt right That's a... For some reason the phrase alt-right has been coming up a lot in this podcast. Yeah. Um... <laughs>
1: But in the comics, they're also, like, in these infamous yellow outfits. Yeah, like a a hazmat suit, pretty much. And it looks like they've got a beekeeper outfit on the top. Yeah. They're
0: amazing. Yeah, but they look, they'd never work. Um, Yeah, they wouldn't work. Um, But it would be nice if they could set up AIM as, like, a villain that's going to come back. But it's very much, to me, AIM just feels like a throwaway evil organisation just for this film. Yeah. Because it is, I mean, it is no bigger than Aldrich Killian, really, in this
1: so Aldrich Klein, um, also with Maya Hansen, who was introduced at the beginning of the film, the two of them. Yes. They helped each other to um, work Create on her extremist technology technology. Um, I mean she uses it for she wants to use extremists to help society. Like
0: that said, to get to get to the point where they can, she's willing to do some questionable things. Yeah.
1: Now I found out about reading for this film. Maya Hansen was actually meant to be the main villain. So, you know, when you when it's the reveal that Aldrich Killian is the main villain, it was actually going to be Maya Hansen. And also, um, her name is Brant, um, who's like the female assassin that attacks Tony in the small town. Yes, she was meant to be the key she, henchman. Yeah. She was meant to be the key henchman as opposed to... The other gentleman whose name I've forgotten, but that's fine. Yeah,
0: like bold, like generic bold bad guy. Yeah, White, bad guy. So they were meant
1: to be the main villains. Like sort of like head henchman and head hmm. um, but Marvel Marvel executives said no. Well,
0: we're pretty sure it was his one, Ike Perlmalt. Yes, so who Ike is Pellmolter. notoriously anti like, anti... He seems to think that women can't sell films.
1: Yeah, he's very, very old school. Um, there's no photos of him on the internet because, like, he's very... Like, keeps away from... He has private life, whatever. But he's very, like... He's also very tight with money. Because um, apparently... Um, there a story... There's a really great article going around about it. But apparently he also... Um, like, article written about him on the internet. Um, but... Like, apparently in at one after party, everyone wasn't entitled to one can of soft drink type thing. Like, he's very, like... um. It got to a point Bottom where, line. Yeah, first. it got to a point where Marvel TV and Marvel movies have now sort of split. Yeah, and, and Kevin
0: Feige answers directly to Disney now. Yeah,
1: um, and I think Kevin Feige fought for that because there was stuff that wanted to be done with, with the films that
0: wasn't able because I was like, no. Type thing. And in this case, you said, and the justification is so fucking stupid: is they didn't want a female villain because they couldn't sell action figures. Yeah, because female toys don't sell. But here's my rebuff: is how many fucking people want a, like Aldrich Killian, like a dude in a suit action figure? No, no one. one. Yeah. Um, like I, I wonder if there's even action figures of him. That's like, the thing. Such it was stupid, just stupid. Justification, and yeah, also the actress, the actress
1: who played Maya Hansen actually apparently like was interviewed after. So, this all came out out of an interview Shane Black did. Okay. People asked him. Um, And, yeah, the actress who played um, uh, Maya Hansen, Rebecca Hall, was actually interviewed as well and said, yeah, this was the case. I actually, when I first approached the role, it was actually larger than what it became. Interesting. Which kind of led to some of the earlier mistakes...
0: And yeah, like it, Black even, Widow's terrible um characterization of Iron Man 2, for instance. Yeah, and even
1: after this film, I believe, because it was, it was it wasn't I think until like recently that like mm. that Marvel Ike Preliminator was not involved in the Marvel Yes, movies. that's that's correct.
0: And uh, but I mean like the look the treatment of female characters in Marvel films continues to not be super great. But I think it I think that might also be be because, you know, like most of the films were in the middle of shooting very sort of so you think that we're only just now with like the latest slate like, getting away from his influence. That's why we've maybe got Black Panther and we've got a uh, Captain exactly. Marvel film Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, look, that could be very true because they planned these movies so far in advance. Yeah. He's, he's, who knows how many pies his hands were in.
1: Yeah, which kind of... Yeah, it's very annoying. Because, I mean, I wouldn't have minded my... I mean, don't get me wrong, Aldrich Killian was great, but, I mean, I wouldn't have minded, like, you know... Um, her name's Stephanie... Stephanie Sortsack? If, if, you Brandt, if you don't know a name you don't need to make one yeah, up. Um, who played Brant as the female henchman. She was a way more interesting henchman than
0: the than Oh my the god.
1: I was so glad when the guy who plays um, Savin, the main henchman Yep. Uh, he's played by James Badge Dow I'm so glad he fucking died in the
0: film. Um, something else I want to bring up. Yeah. Since we're talking about that Iron Man kills a lot of people in this yeah. film. He's a real murder machine and he says like blatantly on camera he's like I'm gonna kill the Mandarin. I'm like alright that's like, big he, shift. he killed him by doing the chest piece. Yes, the, he did.
1: Yeah. Fuck. Like, propulsor blast from Ma, the chest.
0: I, I've talked about this before, is that the thing about, like, Marvel is they know superheroes don't kill. Now, this is a rule they break consistently, but the key is that you don't usually see the guy, like, fall to the ground limp. But this is... The, yeah. And you don't... Like, Tony Stark will shoot someone, it's clearly it's a fatal shot, they move on, they don't dwell on it. Yeah, even, like, with Branch, he was, like, um, exploded explode. and
1: landed on the power lines but, but you he, see her momentarily
0: but you don't know if she's dead or not whereas with like and here's what Man of Steel did so wrong is like from memory he snaps the neck and you see Zod fall to the ground Yeah, like he stands next to the guy he's just murdered whereas yes. Marvel knows to move on quickly don't let you dwell on it or have time to comprehend the fact that hero is just a straight up murder boy yeah and Seven boy. gets
1: a repulsive blast to the chest you see him sort of start to fall but that's it it's quickly changed the film. Mm. A changed scene to Iron Man trying to save everyone out
0: of the Air Force. They run. changed perspective to be like, even if he did kill a guy, it's more important that he's just saved 11 people. Yeah. Um. Alright, look... Something I wanted to quickly bring up before we move on mm-hmm. is the fact that this film felt like, I feels like more like a spiritual successor at Kiss Kiss Bang Bang than a sequel to Iron Man 2. Yeah, no, it did. Um, we mentioned before, it's at Christmas, just like Christmas, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang a lot of Shane Black films. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, oh God, I've forgotten his name, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer is in this film, very briefly. Very nice. He plays a bodyguard. Yeah. And again, a Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. His character was Gay Perry, the, uh, the bodyguard, as well. Um, I'm trying to think there were some other homages as well. well just in general, Shane Black star, a lot of skulking around with guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dialogue felt even quicker than previous Iron Man films, yeah. uh, which is very much a Shane Black as well. So I think I would be really interested to see how players watching Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, then watching this movie straight after, and then finishing it up with The Nice Guys. Sort yeah. of like a, a, a Shane Black triple feature. Alright, um, I'm going to quickly butt in, Billy, before, yeah. we, before we move on to our final segment. Yes. Which is uh, something I like to call the Marvel Cinematic Universe Bechdel Test Update. Yes. Previously, I made the claim that none of the films we had seen so far passed the Bechdel Test. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, you pointed out to me off mic, that that was actually, we realised it was incorrect, and in Thor... Jane Foster and Darcy talk about some science stuff that's unrelated to Thor or any of the male characters. Uh, this film, I would like to, uh, I personally reckon, is a half a pass. Okay. The reason I say that is that, uh, is it Maya who's the it's very dubious that it well, the well, they there's conversations between Peppa Potts and Maya where they talk about science stuff, and that isn't re- but it, the conversation always comes back. To to either work. to either Eldritch or Tony Stark. Yeah,
1: they also talk about
0: a whole work as well. Where they so they talk about something other than men. But in that conversation it always comes back. Yeah, so, so there's like not a, a separate yeah. conversation where they just talk about something that isn't a yeah, male so, character. Yeah, it's very soft pass. I would say I'd say it's like a half pass. Or so what we're at one point five. Out of the seven movies, mm. one point five. Um almost forgot Billy what's our old mate what was our old mate Stan up to in this film oh uh, yes Stan Watch uh, so Stan Watch um, there's a scene in
1: the small town that Iron Man crashes into mm. uh, where there's a beauty pageant and
0: Mrs. Chattanooga Mrs. Chattanooga
1: and Stan is one of
0: the judges at the Miss Universe and they gave the oh I love this cameo you know why? Because why? after the freaking heavy-handed piece of shit cameo he has in a in Avengers where he's like heroes in New- I'm not even gonna try and do the accent heroes in New York, like it's so bad and hammy. Mm. Here he just holds up a sign. Call me old-fashioned, but I like my stands seen and not heard. Speaking of stand being seen <laughs> he, and he not ma- heard, he made a cameo somewhere else recently. Yeah, he
1: made a cameo in hospital and on TV. <laughs>
0: Look, uh, was it more heart problems? Because he had a pacemaker. Yeah,
1: yeah, apparently he had a mystery illness earlier this year. Look, he's 95. That It no, happens. No. Look, we've got to come to the conclusion
0: that he, he will pass. Eventually. Which, I mean, it'd be sad. But I mean, he's I, I, I... He's 95. Yeah, he's 95. Um, and finally, post-credit scene. Just one? Yes. And well, th- yeah, so I think... Is this the first film that
1: doesn't have a credit scene that links to another film? Yeah, that's a good point. So um, yeah. yes, so this right. this is so as we discussed Avengers was the first film
0: to start with the post so it had the credit scene and then the post credit scene. They added that in I think a couple of weeks after film um, Yeah, after it had been in cinemas they added the shawarma thing in. Yeah. So not everyone saw the shawarma thing. No. In the
1: cinema. Um and it's not even on the Blu-ray like straight away. I think interesting them. Um so what it is is Marvel started this thing with Avengers which is Two credits. There's the first credit is linking to the next film. And that's or, after the
0: animated credits. Yeah,
1: and this is after... like, So this it will involve either the next film or another potential film in the next phase or an overgoing thing. And then there's something right at the end of the credits. Which is a like gag. Which is a gag linking
0: to the actual film. And we got the gag here, which was Tony Stark narrates a lot of the film and not that, that need an exp- exp- uh, an explanation but, but they... you find out he's
1: narrating he's actually been narrating this whole time to Bruce, Bruce Banner, Banner. I've, I actually enjoyed it I thought
0: it was kind of funny it, I like the idea like because I think the thing about Avengers is at a certain point in that film you're kind of like I just like to see these guys like just hang out yeah it's weird though like he
1: for some reason Bruce Banner doesn't get a credited cameo for this does not credited which is I'm not sure It was
0: ob- yeah when it's obviously like uh, Mark Ruffalo yeah Interesting. Mind you, I wonder if they just filmed it at the end of Avengers. Like, it's like, hey, we've got 10 minutes. Can you guys jump into this office and just film this scene? Mm. Not sure. Like, I wonder if it was even scripted. or if It was just like, this is what happens. Can you guys just riff a scene? Because they... I reckon it wouldn't have taken long to do. No, it wouldn't have.
1: Alright, well, that was our stand watch and our after credits. <laughs> Alright,
0: shall we have a quick break? And we'll come back uh, for our final segment. If you liked this, read this. Alright, so we're up to... Uh, if you like this, or read this, which is where, basically, uh, Marvel, unfortunately, doesn't do a great job of promoting promoting the Marvel comics. It promotes the movies really well. It doesn't really do anything uh, to promote it. its comic book output. But don't worry, Marvel. We're here to help. We're going to recommend you guys um, some Marvel comics and some non-Marvel comics that we think you'll really dig if you happened to enjoy Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. Now, Billy, uh, we've got to come clean. Uh, the fact is at this point this is the third Iron Man film I know I've personally exhausted a lot of the Iron Man that I've read and liked yeah. to recommend so I mean it,
1: there are some suggestions that I want to keep for like future Avengers yeah
0: so. well for me the one I want to recommend and I've every, every Iron Man film I recommend this but I recommend it again read the uh, Matt Fraction Salvador De Roca run on Iron Man it's really good and again it, it touch, some of the themes in this film uh, I, I touched on in his run
1: Okay. Um, I would recommend the Warren Ellis Extremis run. Um, it's sort of the basis for... This all art- the cinematic. Marvel yeah, universe so stuff. all the, like, so the Iron Man sort of three film. Uh, and most of our, uh, Warren Ellis' writing is the basis for the actual Iron Man stuff in the Marvel Universe. Okay. and uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. And
0: fun fact, you told me this before, the, uh, before we started recording, that the generic white guy president in this film president ellis is named for warren, warren ellis yes oh he's such a i like how you can just get any sort of middle like 45 plus white actor cast him as president and it just feels believable yeah look maybe not after this current president maybe we'll come to expect different things but uh yeah but yeah but the, the actor who plays war uh President Ellis just is such a generic older white actor. Mm. Um, so, what non-Marvel comics were you going to suggest? Yeah, I was going to suggest uh, *The Fix* from Image Comics. It's written by Nick Spencer, who is most well known and possibly reviled for writing *Secret Empire* and also his work on Cap um, and Superior Foes of Superior Spy- of Spider-Man, um, but the fix oh and it's illustrated wonderfully by steve lieber who i believe was also the illustrator on superior foes of spider-man with nick spencer uh, it's sort of like a goofball co- uh, crime comedy about two crooked cops and them basically getting in a whole bunch of trouble with their crime boss and trying to get out of it and it definitely has that sort of like shane black feel to the humor and to the action uh so i think if you happen to like um this, this film or Shane Black's work in general I think you might really enjoy the fix excellent alright well that's us for this week yeah alright um, before we go shall, shall we plug where people can find us yes so we're on geekaboz.com uh, Facebook Geek of um, yeah, uh, you can get you can email myself or Billy at billy at com or, or myself... Christoph at geekavoss.com Yeah, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-F is how you spell my weird European name. Something yeah. I wanted to plug, uh, Billy, that I've been plugging for the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. is a comics anthology I'm involved in that I have a short story in called Corpus, an mm-hmm. anthology of bodily ailments, which is all about illness and people's experience with the medical system. So that is currently... On Kickstarter, uh, and we'd love it if you could check it out. Just um, Google a corpus Kickstarter, and that'll get you there. Um, check it out. Uh, if you could help us get the word out, and if you happen to like it, uh, throw some coin to the way of the campaign. It would be very appreciated. It's got a, I, you know, it's a, it's a great product, and I thoroughly believe in it. But it also has a pretty ambitious goal of twenty thousand US. Yeah. So all the help we can get is appreciated. Um, That's all from me, Billy. All right, that's all from me. Well, thank you guys so much for listening and tune in next time. No worries. Bye. Bye.